Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of The Edric Show, Episode 6. Thank you for helping us build this podcast from the ground up. We really appreciate you joining us today. Um, you can always catch us on Instagram uh, at Edric Show. You can also catch us on Facebook uh, at The Edric Show. And um, again, please hit the subscribe button as we uh, build this thing brick by brick. And uh, we are pleased to be with you uh, here today. Uh, our guest today is the Reverend Steve Peters. He's a pastor, author, psychologist, and he's lived with HIV and AIDS for more than 35 years. He's traveled the world delivering a message of hope and seeking dignity for those who are suffering from this insidious disease. Steve has been at the forefront of and the subject of numerous experimental treatment methods for fighting AIDS. And in 1985, he appeared on Tammy's House Party, hosted by the late Tammy Faye Baker. That interview was the first time an openly gay man who was suffering from AIDS appeared on a televangelist program. The interview catapulted Steve and Tammy Faye Baker into the national spotlight and changed their lives forever. In the upcoming film, The Eyes of Tammy Faye Baker, their 1985 interview is recreated for an entire new audience to see. The impact of their interview is still being felt in 2021 and a new generation of people will get to experience the cultural phenomenon that it became. Steve, welcome to the show. Thank you, Edric. It's a pleasure to be here. Awesome. Um, so the interview itself is just remarkable. So let me um, first start out with, with the movie. Uh, how did you feel when you found out that the film was being made and that your story would play such an important part in the narrative of Tammy Faye Baker's life? Well, I was amazed and, and honored and thrilled uh, that that was the case. I found out about it after it had already been filmed, but when it was actually in post-production. Uh, and uh, when I found out, I found out from Jay Baker, uh, Tammy Faye and Jim Baker's son, uh, and he has become a great friend and, and he told me about it. And uh, Jessica Chastain, of course, plays Tammy Faye, and she's brilliant in the role, just brilliant. And uh, she told me that she decided to do the film because of that interview I did with Tammy Faye in 1985. Uh, so it was, it was a very exciting thing to find out about, and, and I'm absolutely delighted. And, and uh, I thought the film was great. I saw it a few weeks ago. And it will be released uh, in September, on September 17th. In theaters. And um, yeah. again, it's, it was such a groundbreaking interview at the time uh, on so many levels. So um, how did it come about? Did she or someone from her team reach out to you? Um, how did it get arranged, basically, you know, given the subject matter and, and uh, the risk that she was taking having someone on the show like well, she wanted to be one. She wanted to be the first televangelist hmm. to uh, interview a, a gay man with AIDS on a, a televangelist show. She was already quite famous by that point. She and Jim Baker were the the most successful televangelists uh, and uh, at that point in history. Um, and so she decided she wanted to do this, and and they looked all through the east and the south for someone to go on. And they couldn't find anybody uh, and so uh, willing to go on the show. And so she actually contacted the executive director, her team contacted the executive director at, at Aid Atlanta, uh, the AIDS project in Atlanta, Ken South. And he uh, 
uh, referred them to me. And so I heard first from her producer. And they were going to fly me to Charlotte to be interviewed in person there in the studio with her. Uh, but they um, apparently were afraid that I would not be treated well as a, as a gay man with AIDS by the Heritage Village staff and that maybe even the, the crew that worked the show would not work if I were in the studio. Uh, that certainly happened a lot back in those days. And I was interviewed a number of times in, a, in the alley beside uh, the AIDS Project Los Angeles uh, because people were afraid to have me in the studio or the camera crew refused to work if I came in the studio. Were, were you concerned at all about sharing such a personal story, um, particularly with an audience that, you know, wasn't necessarily accepting of homosexuality and, and had a history of condemnation and persecution of that lifestyle? Well, uh, I'm, I stipulated that it be done live so that they couldn't edit it to their, uh, whatever their purposes might be. Um, I just had this notion that, that it would be an excellent opportunity for me to speak to an audience that I never got to speak to usually. Uh, and, uh, I had a lot of experience in talking to the media about being a gay man with AIDS. Uh, at that point, uh, I'd already been a spokesman for AIDS Project Los Angeles and, and uh, talked to a lot of different interviewers about it. But this presented a unique challenge uh, and uh, a unique uh, audience. And I just thought it would be great to have that opportunity to talk to them. So I, I went on the show gladly. Uh, and to her credit... Um she was able to have a real dialogue with you about this yes. subject and, and there was an earnestness in her questions. Um, yeah. She didn't come across as being judgmental. No. Um, did you expect that going into the interview and um, were you surprised by her, her overt displays of compassion? Uh, I was, you know, I don't remember being surprised by it, uh, but I was pleased. I was certainly pleased. It could have gone in a very different direction, but she was very affirming. And, and I just kind of had a feeling that she would be supportive. I, I had a hunch. And uh, we talked for about three minutes before the interview actually began. Uh, I was in a studio here in LA and, um, and she was of course in, in Heritage Village in North South Carolina, where, wherever it was. And, um, uh, you know, we talked for about three minutes before and she was just as sweet and caring and affirming as she could possibly be. So I, I knew that it was going to go okay. I mean, there were still questions that kind of flabbergasted me. Uh, and uh, at, at one point she asked me if I'd ever had sex with a woman. Yes. Uh, and, uh, and I'd never been asked that before. And uh, I hope I fielded it okay. But uh, um, anyway, yeah. So it was quite an interview. And, you know, at the time I thought it, I hadn't done a very good job. Uh, I came home from the interview feeling like I'd really, you know, I wish I'd said this and hadn't said that and wish I'd put this better. And, you know, if only I'd talked more about that. And I told my neighbor, Lucia, uh, that, uh, you know, I was certainly glad no one I ever knew, no one I knew would ever see it. 
Uh, and uh, boy, did that prove to be wrong. <laughs> um, at one point in the interview, it was, it was and it's a, just a fascinating time capsule. I mean, but at one point, uh, she kind of calls out her audience uh, to their face and reminded them uh, of God's mercy and love for everybody. So exactly. as a pastor, um, can you speak to the courage it took for her to do that with her audience? Oh, it was extremely courageous. And she was crucified for it. Mm -hmm. I mean, she got in a lot of trouble. And there are those who believe that uh, that, that interview, my interview with her was the the straw that broke the camel's back, as it were, for Jerry Falwell. And that at that point, he, he just decided that's it. Uh, it's time to bring down Jim and Tammy and PTL and, and uh, take them over um, because he was, he was appalled by her affirmative interview uh, and her, uh, she told her audience that we as Christians need to be embracing and, and, and loving towards all people. And that was just unheard of in televangelistic world, in the televangelistic world of the time. So, um, yeah, it was quite radical. Um, we're much more conscious of mental health today uh, than we were oh. back then. Um, and so what were some of the ways that your interview helped people uh, who were in the same situation that you were in, uh, who could yeah. identify with what you were going through? Well, uh, I've heard from any number of people uh, in the years since that happened. It was 1985, and that was a long time ago. And I've heard a lot of people say that it's that the interview saved their lives, uh, that they were literally considering su suicide, uh, and uh, because they were gay or because they had AIDS, and uh, they didn't think they could ever be gay and Christian and that interview showed them differently and it made them realize that they were okay. They were going to be okay as human beings, as, as gay men, lesbians, transgender folk. Um, so uh, I know it had a, it, it had a profound impact on a lot of LGBT people as well as on the conservative church, um, the, the televangelistic world of conservative Christianity uh, I understand was quite shook up by the interview. Uh, and, and for our younger viewers, you know, this was pre social media. I mean, this was, yes. so when, when the crush of celebrity uh, came after this, how did your life change? Because not only were you dealing with this newfound celebrity and the attention and publicity that came with it, um, but you were also dealing with, you know, on a personal level, HIV and AIDS, which is challenging yeah. enough. So, how did those two come together and how did your life change uh, after the interview? Well, I was very sick with the uh, first, I was the first patient to go on the very first antiviral drug they tried against HIV, a drug called Suramin. And uh, I had been diagnosed uh, uh, previously with stage four lymphoma and Kaposi's sarcoma uh, in addition to full-blown AIDS. And uh, when, I, when I went on this drug, within six weeks, all of my KS lesions disappeared and my lymphoma went into complete remission. But the drug was extraordinarily toxic and killed a number of the people who took it. And everybody else except one other uh, died from the progression of HIV AIDS uh, in the next year or two. And um, so I was very sick at the time because the drug nearly killed me too. 
and um, but it did save my life, uh, and and I got well, and I had recovered by 1987, and that's when the interview kind of exploded. In, uh, be, Troy Perry, the founder of the Metropolitan Community Churches, uh, the, a safe denomination for gay and lesbian people, um, he um, he showed it at the uh, international conference of of uh, of MCC uh, delegates and clergy, and uh, a thousand people stood up and cheered. And I started getting invitations to travel the world, and I became the field director of AIDS ministry for the denomination. And uh, everywhere I went, all over the world, they wanted me to bring the Tammy Faye Baker videotape uh, so that the, the, I could show it to the, the church. Uh, because, of course, there was no YouTube back then. There was right. no way to, to, you know, show it uh, publicly except uh, by carting the videotape around. So, um, and it always had a profound effect on the audience. And uh, I, I still squirmed whenever I saw it. And uh, uh, just thinking about all the things I should have said or could have said, you know, and, and I finally got over that uh, eventually, but, uh, um, and now I can look back on it and realize how historic and significant it really was. So, uh, I want to shift gears a little bit now and just uh, sure. touch upon your your um, you your pastor minister. So yeah. um, you know you and in the interview and I and we'll have a link to the interview uh, in our description for this video. In the interview you did with Tammy Faye Baker, um, you talked about the struggles you had, you know, dealing with you know being being gay and and just how that all came to be with your family. But I, you also became a minister, and so I'm I'm curious. Um, when did you get your calling? And, and how did, when did you know that you were going to be able to be a pastor? And that was something that, um, that, that, you know, you were, you were destined to do. Well, uh, I came from a religious family. My grandparents were Presbyterian missionaries to Korea. And my uncle was a famous Presbyterian pastor. And my, uh, my, my father and mother were both heavily involved in the church. So I grew up in a religious household and I wanted to be, uh, all that time, I wanted to be a Broadway legend. I wanted to be a song and dance man and trained to do that. Uh, but then I just, when I, when I came out in 1975, I started going to the Metropolitan Community Church in Chicago. And that really helped me come to terms with being gay because I had grown up feeling quite ashamed of it. And the, 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 the MCC uh, gave me the courage to be who I am and to believe that God loves me just the way I am. And so about a year after I started going there, they, uh, I, I was in church one Sunday and I suddenly had this clarity about what I was supposed to do that, that I had never had before. Uh, and uh, the doors flew open for me to go to seminary and, uh, and get my Master's of Divinity at McCormick Theological Seminary in Chicago. And uh, I, I became a minister, a pastor in 1979, uh, and I pastored the MCC in Hartford, Connecticut, where I was one of the only openly gay activists at the time. Um, and uh, 
Uh, it was quite a three years I spent there, and that's where I began to get sick with AIDS. In was diagnosed in 1982 when I moved out to Los Angeles. Um, all burned out on ministry, or so I thought. Uh, so, um, you mentioned earlier you've been able to travel the world, and and you know being sick and traveling the world, but despite your battle with HIV and AIDS and, and traveling all over the world, you've still been able to deliver a message of hope and help people deal with the grief and stigma uh, that comes with being sick. So where do you find your motivation and strength uh, to, to continue to do this noble work? Well, certainly in my faith, uh, I, you know, just believing as I do that God loves me and that, uh, you know, believing in the resurrection of Jesus Christ means that that I am, even though I, I was told the worst thing they could possibly tell me, I could still be fully alive. I could still be able, I could still dance, I could still act, I could still laugh and sing and, and carry on and enjoy my friends and laugh. And, and you know, it, and I, the joy of that message uh, has sustained me through all kinds of things. And I also sing with the Gay Men's Chorus of Los Angeles and have done so for many years. And, and uh, the, the, when I've been really, really sick, first of all, the, the Gay Men's Chorus as well as MCC have really been there for me uh, in very important ways. And uh, I have loved them for it. But one of the motivating factors of, of sustaining through those horrible near-death experiences I had through the years um, was just the desire to get back on stage with my gay brothers and sing. Um, singing is my joy and my passion and I love it. And, and so, um, you know, I, I, I thoroughly believe that that's one of the reasons I survived because I just wanted to get back to singing, you know? <laughs> so, and to conveying God's love for, for all people. Well, you, you, just a remarkable story, and uh, we have a couple minutes left. And so mm -hmm. my, my, my last question for you is, what advice or encouragement would you give to people who are struggling with HIV and AIDS today, uh, particularly in the context of this COVID pandemic? I mean, I imagine there's um, complications and, and things that other folks who are suffering with or dealing with COVID may not have to deal with for someone who's immunocompromised. Right. So, you know, right. how do you navigate those two worlds that, that are uh. so intertwined? Well, it's scary. It's really scary. I mean, I've known friends who have had the same underlying conditions that I do, i.e. long-term HIV disease. And uh, some of them have died from COVID. And uh, they died rather quickly because of all these underlying conditions. And I've had times of being really afraid. But I believe uh, in what Jesus says, fear not only believe, only have faith. Uh, don't be afraid for I am with you. Uh, and uh, that has helped sustain me through all of this. And that's the advice I would give to others who are facing HIV and AIDS. And I also like to remind, I also like to remind people that uh, of a Native American expression uh, saying that goes, the quality of life is not measured by the length of life but by the fullness with which we enter into each present moment. And so none of us have any guarantees of being here tomorrow. 
you know, and with HIV AIDS, that seems a little more pressing or COVID. Uh, but all any of us have really is this moment. And so in this moment, I choose to be joyful and fully alive. And I invite others to join me in that. Well, again, you have such a remarkable story. You've lived such a uh, impactful life. Uh, you've given so much. You've had dialogue. You've advocated. Um, you've been at the cultural forefront of uh, a movement uh, and as it relates to Christianity and uh, homosexuality and people grappling with all that. So uh, I just want to thank you for taking the time. I know you're very, very busy and everybody wants to talk to you. And you, I just want to thank you for coming on The Edric Show. Um, and let me give you the particulars. So the movie is titled The Eyes of Tammy Faye. Uh, it's directed by Michael Showalter starring Jessica Chastain and Andrew Garfield. It will be in theaters on September 17th. And the world internationally famous interview with Tammy Faye Baker and Reverend Steve Peters is fictionalized in the movie, but it uh, definitely accounts and uh, takes note of the historical impact it had. So you literally cannot tell the story of Tammy Faye Baker without telling the story of Steve Peters. So uh, Steve, thank you so much again for coming on The Edric Show. I really appreciate it. And please, please stay safe. You're welcome. Thank you, Edric. I really appreciate this opportunity. You're very welcome. This is The Edric Show. I'm your host, Edric Jerome. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget, hit the subscribe button as we grow this thing from the ground up. Check us out on Instagram at Edric Show. Also on Facebook at The Edric Show. Appreciate it. And we'll talk to you again.